Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're discovering what the Scripture teaches regarding theological topics. Our goal, as always, is to put the theological cookies on the bottom shelf where we can all reach them. And we try to do this in ways that are seriously applicable to the lives that we live. I say applicable. Applicable? Applicable. Potato, potato, tomato, (laughs) tomato. Anyways, before I was corrected, because the thing that we want to hammer home, regardless of how you say applicable, is that the real power of theology is not only in knowing it, but in applying it. So, okay, today I got a question for you to start some things off. Who is the most well-known or famous person you have ever met? Well, that's that's a little relative, isn't it? Because... Like, you mean universally famous? Do you mean, like, famous to me, famous to you? I would say famous to you, like, because I or think that's a people? relative. Well, I yeah, however you want to answer it. Well, give me a minute, but uh, you're dying to tell us. It, it, I am, because and I guess in my case, it would be... Well, like, how, how about if I ask you first before you okay, tell okay, us? Okay, 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 Who's the most famous person you <laughs> Okay, she just sat back and folded her arms and crossed her legs, getting very defensive here. <laughs> Who's the most famous person that you've ever met? I would say, thanks for asking, Inquiring Jeff. minds yes, want to thanks know. thanks for asking. Well, when I was little, my mama used to work for the Winn-Dixie. Oh, my word. <laughs> she used to work at the corporate office, and so they would have these big um, food pavilion sampling things, which, first of all, I was a kid that loved to sample things. So I was excited about that. But I grew up watching the stories with my grandma. Do you know what the stories are? Oh, the uh, the soaps. Yes. Yeah. The soapies. Yes. So, and all those stories, I felt like I knew those people. I felt like they were my friends. And you're, so, so you're the one, you're the type of people that watch those things. Okay. I, w- I would huh. say some heavy childhood memories are wrapped up into wow. that time with my grandma. That explains an awful lot. It does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And your counselors, thank you. Yeah, they do. I keep coming back. They keep they keep lining their checkbooks for me. But so when Dixie had this big food seminar, and you know who they had on the panel that year? All of my favorites. And all the so, soap stars. Yes, all the soap stars. So I just went down with my little autograph book, and then got them all autographed along the way. And I was the happiest girl at the dance that day. So, And then in a Bible study here at Low Country, I got to meet one of those real-life soap stars, Kimberly Sims. She was Mindy Lewis on Guiding Light. We are still friends, and that is my claim to fame. Well, you, you're, so you're friends. You're BFFs with a soap star. We're not BFFs. From the 80s? We're 80s. Oh, big hair and everything. Yeah. We should have uh, defined the word famous. We should Because I've never heard of her. Any meaningful celebrity but, uh, encounters. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun, so what's though. Yours? For me, I was a little kid, and my dad told me to get up real early the next morning. He said, I'll wake you up. Somebody's going to come to the door and pick me up to take – we're going to go hunting. And uh, I was probably seven or eight years old. He said, I want you to answer the door. I'm like, Dad, it's too early. You know, you're a little kid. You don't want to get up at 530 in the morning. So he wakes me up, and sure enough, there's a knock on the door, and I go and open the door, and my – 
my hero, my idol, was standing there, standing on my front porch. Brooks Robinson, the third baseman of the Baltimore Orioles, who is a Hall of Famer. And I, I'm sure I didn't even say a word. Well, you weren't a big sports fan or anything. Oh, right? my word. That's all <laughs> I – I just wanted to be him. You know, I couldn't I, I couldn't believe it. And I've met some really, I think, some fairly famous people since then, but not, not, nobody's even a close second to Brooks. Gotcha. Yeah. Even gotcha. one of my grandson's middle name is Brooks. Oh, I never made that connection. Well, I don't think there is a connection, but I I make the connection you, you for me. You tell yourself yeah. that. And and really, my grandchildren's <laughs> names, aren't they all about me anyway? So Oh gosh. Uh, but well, why why are we talking about we're this? We're talking about this because whether yours was a subscription to Soap Opera Digest like I had, or your stack of baseball cards that you might have had along with Pastor Jeff, we're talking about this because today's topic is going to be about the famous person, the famous person? Is there one person or one man far greater than any celebrity any of us could have ever met? And of course, that is the person of... Da, 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 da. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Bible God. He's always the answer. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there. of course, there's no one more famous than him. And we're going to talk about Jesus, the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, of, of the Godhead. And the Bible tells us that not only was he walking among us as a man, but that for all time and all eternity, he is God. So give us a quick reminder. In the last series, we were learning about the Trinity. God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We chatted about how the Trinity is the doctrine that all Christians believe, but we seldom discuss and we tend to either fall in one of two camps. Either we understand it, and that's why we don't feel mm -hmm. like we have to discuss it, or probably more often than not, we fall into the genre of people who don't really understand it, but we wear the spiritual mask to avoid it like the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the series we're in. Um, this is a four-podcast four little series here on the uh, Trinity, and Leave it up to us to take something that's three and make it four. But uh, there was a lot of stuff. It, oh my <laughs> word! We could spend years and years on it. And in one sense, the doctrine of the Trinity—it really is—it's a mystery, and we will never fully understand it here on Earth. However, we can understand a good deal about its truth. And we, I've got a little uh, syllogism, a little three-statement uh, deal here, which we're, we've placed in the show notes, and that might help it might help you understand it a little a little bit better. I, I need simple. We need simple. And here at Kitchen Table Theology, we're trying to, as we say, put the theological cookies on the bottom shelf for you. So try this on as it relates to the Trinity. God is three persons. Each person is fully God, and there is one God. God is three persons. And that means that the Father is not the Son, He's not the Spirit. The Son is not the Father, not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father or the Son. They are equal, but they are distinct. God is three persons. Mm -hmm. And then each person is fully God. We never have any problem with saying God the Father is God. Mm -hmm. we, we all kind of understand that. Most people won't argue with you about that. If God the Father is not clearly God, then there really is no God, there couldn't be. And we broke that down a bit on our last podcast. So today we're going to look at the Son, Jesus, 
that he is also fully God. And so, and we've already mentioned that I believe that next time we're going to look at the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. within the context of the Trinity, but we are going to settle right here on Jesus, the man that walked on earth, born in Bethlehem, this living, breathing Jewish man called Jesus is fully God. He's divine. He's eternal. He's a deity. But man, he was a man. <laughs> man, he was a man. One of us sort of, it, I just can't wrap my mind around it sometimes, fully God and fully man. Well, it always kind of blows our minds a little bit. Um, but let's not that let that deter us. Let's just blindly jump in. Here we go. Anyway, uh, because it really is awesome. Let, let, let's, let's take a moment. Let's look first at his divinity, and then we'll look at his humanity. So the Bible speaks of Jesus as being fully divine. And let's just start in the first chapter of Hebrews. And Jen, how about being our Bible reader today and read Hebrews 1-3 for us? Sure. And it says, And he is the radiance of his holy glory and the exact representation of his nature. That's really interesting, that exact representation part, because the author says that he, the exact representation could also be the exact duplicate. What's the exact, what is he the exact representation of? It's the nature and the being of God, meaning that Jesus, God the Son, exactly duplicates the being or nature of God the Father in every way. So whatever attribute, whatever power God the Father has, God the Son has them as well. And then later on in that same chapter in Hebrews 1, the author refers to the Son, Jesus, he refers to him as God in verse 8. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. So of the Son, your throne, O God. So the Son is called God. And then in verse 10, he attributes the creation of the heavens to the Son as well. And saying, you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. And then you read further in the New Testament, Titus and Second Peter uh, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, Jesus, who is Jesus Christ. So those verses are just a small representation of so much more in the Scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. That Jesus, that He is God and He always has been God. That Jesus is eternal God, one with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And again, these words, in exact representation. Exactly. <laughs> See what you did there. Terrible. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, Jesus is divine. He is holy God. He is fully God. The Bible's very clear about that. Now, other people get away from that. Cults get away from that. False mm-hmm. doctrine, false teaching gets away from that. But scripturally, he is Jesus. He is divine, fully and holy God. So that's his divinity. Let's look for a moment as his humanity. So let me lead into this by referring to a study I mentioned in the introductory podcast of Kitchen Table Theology. And if you haven't heard that podcast yet, I'd encourage you to go back to ep- episode 000. It's, <laughs> it's the one where I just kind of set up the whole podcast. Give it a listen. Because in that, I, I share about an ongoing study of the state of the American church's theology conducted by Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research, and the results of the study really haven't been pretty. They examined 34 core beliefs. They surveyed people, 
Christians here in America. And then Christianity Today, the magazine, they took the results of that survey and they wrote a summary article and they entitled the article, Christian, What Do You, what do you Believe? Probably a Heresy. That's a pointed subtitle there, isn't it? Kind of a it, little bit of a spoiler. Yeah, yeah. you kind of you, <laughs> you kind of get where it's going, and you've got some of the some yeah, of the questions there. Yeah, and it's there, it's answers. a subtitle with with definite definite validity behind it because there's some startling findings in this survey. So, of the Christian surveyed, fifty two fifty two percent rather answered that they believed that people are basically good. Yeah, Do I that? need to go back and read that one again? <laughs> 52% answered that they believe that people are basically good. Unless this, you walk down the wrong aisle in the grocery store against or the arrow. If, you know, if you don't have on your mask fully the way somebody wants or you cut somebody off in traffic. I wonder if these were before or after our worldwide pandemic. I don't pandemic think it matters. Came yeah. into, <laughs> it's, you're still came, wrong. It's still wrong. 51% agreed with the statement that God accepts the worship of all religions. Yeah. Wow. And an astounding 78%, so almost 80%, agreed with the statement that Jesus was the first and greatest being created by God the Father. Created by God the Father? Yeah, that that's that's the key word there, uh created. Um I Anytime you talk about the humanity and the divinity of Christ, you've and you're studying it in theology, you, you're automatically it's like theology 101 in this section. You're going to go back to the fourth century and you're going to read about this thing called Arianism. And without going too deep, yeah, well, we've lost. You hit fourth century and lost, you lost me. We've lost Jen already. This isn't. This doesn't bode well for anything. Sorry, let's go. But it it was a controversy. This Arianism controversy, probably one of the most significant in all of Christian history. And what it taught, and it was it started this whole thing by a guy named Arius from um, Egypt, Alexandria. He he basically was saying that Christ should be viewed as a created being. and But here, here's what he said. He's the first of all the created beings. He's the best of all the created beings. And he even went so far as to say he's perfect of all the created beings. Uh, he even hedgingly acknowledged that it appears that salvation for us is only going to come through Jesus. But he was definitely a created being. And he became known pretty well known for one uh, little statement that he made, and it's, he said this, there was once when he, Jesus, was not. There was once when he was not. That's a theological shaking statement right there, because if you buy into that, you've pretty much trashed the whole concept that is yeah, the that, Trinity. Yeah, that little statement denies the eternality of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it it takes away this idea that, or it supports rather the idea that Christ was perfect, but saying that he was created and that he was created, he can't be God. Right. It, and it, it really weakens the whole Trinitarian viewpoint, to say the least. So wh- where was he getting this from? Well, he, they, he was using uh, Bible verses that talked about Jesus being the only begotten Son of God. Mm-hmm. And that you automatically think of what John three sixteen. Yeah. John three sixteen. And that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
So they they took the word begotten exactly how they understood it in our hum, in our in the human way that we do it. And in in our human experience, the word begat, that that old word, it refers to the father's role in conceiving a child. And so they took that and they just laid that on that 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 Greek word in 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 John chapter 3. And then they used another verse out of Colossians 1.15. And it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So when you say the firstborn of all creation, and you just read that at kind of a cursory reading. Out of context. Out no of other, context, yeah. and just, just reading it without any background, without any language study into that. It, it does seem to make sense that the firstborn, well, it's like how we use firstborn. Uh, it, it just would imply that the Son at some point was brought into existence by the Father. And if that is true of the Son, then at some level it's got to be true of the Holy Spirit as well. But, and here's the good news, that those verses, John 3.16, Colossians 1.15, they do not require us to believe this Arian position. So saying that Jesus is the firstborn of our creation, it's better understood to mean that Jesus has the rights and privileges of the firstborn. When you look at the Bible in its entirety and as a whole, and you go back to the Old Testament, you think of Esau who sold his birthright. Mm. Uh, when when you were the firstborn, you had rights and privileges that that only came to you as the firstborn. So what really Paul's talking about in Colossians 1.15 here, when he's talking about the firstborn of all creation, we need to think about it in terms of Jesus having the right of leadership, the right of authority in the family of God. So he has the privileges, Jesus does, of authority and rule, the, the privileges of leadership over all creation. And the NIV translates it, I think, so much better here the firstborn over all creation. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that makes that really makes more sense. That's a better way, I think, to translate that verse. Absolutely. That for me, that's really helpful because it's taking that the firstborn of all creation, where you get this visual of springing forth from something to over all creation, mm-hmm. and boiling it down into so that, over. You can take from that he was already here. The authority of nature of that, ruling and reigning over that. Yes. Well, good. Well, gosh, this is getting really heavy. So if you had to summarize anything right now, what would it be? Oh, good question. (laughs) Well, Well, I think to summarize it, we just have to say that he, he wasn't, uh, he he was not created. And that's really important. Mm-hmm. Because if we say or if we lean toward the fact that he was created, and 78% of American Christians mm. believe that he was the the most powerful created being by God the Father, it's heresy. It's wrong. It, that alone, 8 out of 10 American Christians are denying the divinity mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. So that's huge for us. And you've spoken to this before in lots of other topics that the real trouble that we can get ourselves into when we read one or two verses and then just want to stock all validity in those one or two verses. Right, and th- this this got to be such a big deal back in the early centuries of the church that uh, one of the one of the um, the councils, uh, the Nicene Council, three twenty five A.D. So you were good with the. Well, now we're back to still fourth century. 
but they came up with this thing called the Nicene Creed, and they they systematized the belief system of of Christians of the church, and they really got on this particular point. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've pulled out that little bit from the the creed. Would you re- why don't you read that part? It's really beautifully. Written. I will. I love it because it, it does read like poetry, and it's one of those things you know that we talk about fancy talk and boiling things down. But it really it's it's beautiful language that mm-hmm. just really helps it make sense for me. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten of the Father, the only begotten, that is, of the essence of the Father, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being one substance with the Father. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and begotten, not made. They 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 put that in there for, for a reason. See, if, if what... Arius and that belief, or anybody that that says Jesus was created, that Jesus is a created being, if that's true, Christ couldn't save anyone, mm-hmm. because no creature can wholly save another creature for all eternity. Only God can save. So Jesus, therefore, has to be God, and God's not a created being. So Jesus could never have been created by God. If he were, he's he's not sufficient for our salvation. Mm-hmm. So let's just pause because we've used this phrase before. If you feel like you've been drinking out of a fire hydrant, let's just review just a little bit. So let's make sure we've got this. Jesus was God himself in human form, the second person of the Trinity, and really to believe anything else is heresy. Right. It's a heretical view. Mm-hmm. So, so we have put been, a bow on this for us. Well, I think there's a number of ways to go with this, but just to summarize it as we we wrap up, um, Wayne Wayne Grudem, in his uh, he wrote this incredible book. It's just called Systematic Theology: An Introduction to Biblical Doctrine, which, by the way, for an introduction contains 1,291 pages. Oh, I can't read. <laughs> wait to read the whole thing. Yeah, just the introduction. <laughs> but he makes he makes a really good point. He says this. Justification by faith alone is threatened if we deny the full deity mm. of the Son. Now, justification by faith alone and Christ alone, that these are the tenets of the Protestant Reformation. Mm. I mean, these are the foundational pillars of our faith. And justification by faith alone is threatened if and when we deny the full deity of the Son. So if Jesus isn't God, we would rightly doubt, we would have to doubt whether he can, uh, whether we can really trust him to save us completely. I mean, can, could we really depend on any created being fully for our salvation that that mm-hmm. wasn't fully God? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. and probably you wouldn't either. And then secondly, if we believe that Jesus was a created being, but nonetheless one who saves us, then that belief wrongly attributes the work of salvation to a creature and not to God himself. Mm-hmm. So let me just say that again. If we believe Jesus was created, but still could save us, then we believe we we wrongly attribute the work of salvation to a creature and not to God Himself. And if we believe that, we wrongly exalt the created over the Creator. And the Scripture is really clear: like that's a big no-no. Mm-hmm. You you don't attribute to the created what the Creator has done, mm-hmm. and that's what we we would be doing with salvation were we to believe that Jesus was not fully 
fully divine, fully mm-hmm. God. And I think maybe the pushback would be, well, it's just all semantics, isn't it? Doesn't really matter what words are up in there. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that's another topic altogether. But yeah, it really does matter. It does matter. Words matter. <laughs> they Who do. Knows? They do. Where they're placed in, especially how biblical words. Biblical words. And so, if you have stuck with us through the third, fourth century today, as we've jumped into all of this really heavy-duty stuff, then raise a mug of Southern Pecan Coffee, Pecan Pecan, Coffee, because not only have we made it through all of this great information today, we're also toasting to double digits. Jeff, did you know that this is our 10th episode? Yeah, we made it. And they said it wouldn't last. (laughs) Oh. Well, hey, as we wrap up today's time together, let's remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. And for those last points, if they really helped you, then we are so glad that you can take this information and then use it in your daily lives. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that our time together today has helped you to become a better kitchen table theologian. And maybe today's podcast stimulated a question or two or 10. So in two weeks, we're going to devote another entire podcast to answering your questions. Just shoot us an email at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. Ask a question or two, and then tell us where you're listening from and a little bit about yourself. We would love to hear from you. We hope these resources really, really help you. And every week we add a new podcast resource for you. And if you haven't subscribed yet, how about heading on over to YouTube or Spotify or wherever you're listening from and subscribe. And that way you won't miss anything. And we're putting more and more resources up for your study and personal growth in, in God's Word. You can check a lot more of those things out at jeffcranston.com. And subscribing, make sure you just don't miss anything. And if you leave us a review or a rating, that will help us to reach more and more people. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait for our next episode where we're going to be discussing the role of the Holy Spirit in the context of the Trinity. We look forward to having you join us again. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.